Okay, we're recording. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Shit. It is a cursed podcast. (laughs) Welcome to The Writer and the Critic, a monthly podcast devoted mostly to books, reviews, and whatever else takes our fancy. I'm your host, Kirsten McDermott. With me is my co-host, Ian Mond. Good morning, Ian, on this drizzly grey day. Is it drizzly in Ballarat? It is drizzly in Ballarat. Is it not drizzly in Melbourne? No, it's um, sunshine. Oh, I'm Scott jealous. Wells. I'm yeah. jealous. Is it actually <laughs> physically raining? Like, are there drops? It's going to rain? be raining at this precise moment. I don't think it's raining, but it was raining a little bit earlier and it's going to be raining on and off throughout the day, which is fun for me because I've got to go plant trees. So I'll be ducking in and out in the spots. But it's actually a really good tree planting day because it is wet and not too hot. So they Yeah, no. Um, it's. Uh, I know it rained. Why are we talking about the weather? This is. I was about to say. I know it rained overnight. Now the precipitation levels were reasonably high. Mind you, we shouldn't joke about rain because New South Wales, who are north of us, uh, had their second or maybe third rain bomb in the last month or so. North, northeast New South Wales is in serious trouble. Um, yeah, and yeah. Like, I hope anyone who's listening to us out that way. Whenever you are listening to this, because you're probably not listening to it at this moment, yeah, I hope you guys are okay. It's the new world that we made, isn't it, Ian? Yes, I, I don't have more to say. Yes, it's depressing. Anyway, let's let's talk about two collections that. Uh, Let us talk about two collections. Maybe so. not as depressing. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, so we we are going to discuss two books today, two short story collections. The first one we're going to talk about is I Would Haunt You If I Could by Sean Porrick Burney, which was put out by Undertow Books, uh, which I recommended, or I, I chose rather, I had not read it before I chose it. And the second one is Shit Cassandra Saw by Gwen E. Kirby, which was Ian's pick. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that one a bit later. But first, we'll talk about the Burney collection, uh, which I really liked I didn't quite know what to expect, except which is which is actually silly because the cover is amazing, and the cover, in retrospect, it's one of the most perfect fits between the the, the tone of the cover and what it's doing design wise, and the content of the book. It's so it's so wonderful. Uh, so it is a a it's Bernie's first published collection. He's had some of the stories in it published elsewhere in different magazines and and markets previously but this is his first published collection and it does have uh, several original publications in it that have not been previously let loose upon the world yes so i agree with you actually the covers on both books are Mm. amazing in very very different ways but they do both reflect the tone of the stories within the covers so um as has become our want, I shall just read you very quickly the back cover copy from the book. It's very short. The debut short story collection from Sean Porrick Burney does indeed haunt. Sown with seeds of sorrow and grief and imbued with disquieting bodily horrors, the tales in I Would Haunt You If I Could are the product of an uncanny and febrile imagination. Bernie's writing balances on the knife edge of the horror and literary divide, stories that cut and bleed, stories that linger and haunt, which is really nice. I really like that description of the book. Yeah, no, it's good. And and I have a feeling in when we discuss this book, I'm going to like it more than when I did when I read it, <laughs> which is a terrible 
So you did not you did not love this collection. So, so to be clear, there are some terrific stories in this collection. In fact, the opening story is is a really really good piece of writing. So mm. so I just want to be clear here. This is not a, a not a throw throw away type. That collection. is new new to it all. The one about the the narrator and his. Um, Increasingly disturbing girlfriends. Yes, yes. Uh, who has this ability of... Uh, oh, let's she... not say what that is. It, it's so wonderful. It's so okay, wonderful right. and so she unexpected. Ha- she has this very special talent during sexy time. and uh, and uh, And, uh, yes. And, and actually that story sets the template for the collection in terms of... Of Bernie's style, which is leaving things unsaid, and just this this rubbing up between the very the very real and the very mundane. Um, yes, all, all his characters are very ordinary people living f- until something happens. Very ordinary lives, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I just mean they're not you know they're not rock stars or museum curators or any like you know their their lives themselves are not inherently interesting on the page yeah um and it rubs up with this these this eerie strange uncanniness that bernie manages to evoke just beautifully throughout, and here's, throughout here's the, the collection thing. here's the thing kirsten here's mm. the thing for me so i found the stories all are tonally the same. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't reviewing this book for the, if we weren't going to talk about it yep. here, a bit like because I because uh, Bernie stuff reminded me of Thomas Ligotti a lot, and Thomas oh, Ligotti I can see that, yep. And Thomas Ligotti is a writer as well who I've had an interesting experience with. I know a lot of people love Ligotti, and I do also like some of Ligotti's work, but I've I also know that if I read a collection by Ligotti, I I can't get through it. Because there's a, a tonal uh, similarity between each story, and there's a, a density to his prose, that mm-hmm. means you really do need to take time to let the story soak in. Yeah. And I feel, that unlike the Kirby, which we'll discuss, this one because there is a similarity in tone, I I needed breaks between the stories, and it meant that, it, I, so it meant I felt so because I couldn't do because we've got to talk about this, and this is not <laughs> the fault of Bernie. This is the, this is just yeah. The, this, but yeah, I feel like if I'd read this, if I'd had this on the shelf, and I was going to pick it up and read a story once every week or so, I think I'd have loved this book a lot more than I did. And that's not—that sounds like a terrible review of a book. But no, I, do... I understand. I understand. Yeah, I think but, I think the reading, yeah. the the way you read a book does have, a, and when you read a book, and and how you're feeling when you read a book does have a, an impact on how you receive it. Jonathan Strahm talks a lot, you know, editor. Uh, talks a lot about how collections are structured, mm-hmm. and I don't know how Bernie could have done it differently. Clearly, he's got a style, and clearly he's got a way of looking at the world that is expressed in all his fiction, and he's not that interested in changing that up. This is his niche, and so um, maybe this is one of those collections that you do need to, well, at least for someone like myself, mm-hmm. you do need to take your time with it because uh, this is not to say the stories aren't accessible. I just find find they're the same tone, so it's the same taste on the palette. And once you've read four or five of them, for me, you're thinking, okay, here's another one that's essentially the same structure as what I've just read. And while still disquieting, it, uh, I, 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 I began to lose my 
joy of it. it what, what someone said, it's like you, get, you taste sugar for the first time and it's wonderful, then you put another spoonful of sugar in and it's not, you know, it's diminishing returns. Diminishing but, returns. But that, again, that makes it out as if the book is not, <laughs> these stories individually are not good. They are. Mm. But I just, I couldn't, I shouldn't have read it the way I did is what I'm saying. No, that's fair enough. Um, it reminded, like, in in terms of, I guess, Bernie's focus or his um, what is occupying his attention as as a writer, um, that that uh, intensity of, of focus, it did remind me uh, quite a bit of a lot of Ramsey Campbell's short story collections. Yes, which yes, that was the other one. Have, have a very focused. Uh, tone and concern and I, I like a lot of Ramsey Campbell's collections especially I have to be honest I've, I've been remiss I have not read recent Campbell in the last few years but I've, I'm very very fond of his um, I guess you could now say mid-career body of work that I'm quite familiar with in short fiction I'm, I'm unfortunately I've, I've rarely come across a novel that I've enjoyed <laughs> but his his short fiction is supreme it's, it's amazing and I'm not saying he's the same as Ramsey Campbell because they are quite different you wouldn't mistake a Bernie story for a Campbell story but in terms of that that circling of a, a preoccupation um, and the coming back to it from a different angle and examining it again and again um, it, it did it reminded me of that and for me I can see what you're saying for, for you it would have been good to read them separately with some other stuff read in between um, and, oh, here's another one of these stories that I'll really enjoy now. Um, and I can definitely see that because I think I was kind of at that point for the first third to maybe in, in the first half of the collection. I was feeling like these are really good, but they're, they're kind of the same. There was a couple where I thought the ending was a little too okay. tropey. Trope, no, no, tropey. I think opaque okay. is love the opaque endings, the the tropey ones, the, the one with the woman and the um, the baby uh, monitor that her yes. brother gives her. The ending of that I thought was was very disappointing, and it it let down this story, which was strange and eerie, and you didn't quite know what was happening. And um, I won't say what the ending is, but it was it was very much very conventional horror ending, and I thought that let that particular story down. But he doesn't do that often but for me what what happened because I was like you have to read it got to read it this week got to get it done so because I was reading it all at once at some point around the middle and I couldn't even tell you which story it was but it was definitely the middle because um in the first half is where a lot more of the little the little strange short ones are so like the one um about the woman who unzips herself the woman who unzips herself I love that story that is a cracker yeah, it really is. The the the, the little almost it's, it's not a vignette, but it's a very short story about the woman whose car breaks down. Yes. Right. Some of these ones they're like front loaded. Um by the time you're in the, the second half of the collection, for me, something flipped and it, it I was no longer reading it as discrete short pieces of fiction that happened to have similarities and, and maybe were totally the same. I was reading it as a collection and the recurring themes and the recurring motifs and the things that pop up, the dolls, the cameras, the photographs, the, the locations in some point, the, um, the weird, strange 
dream but not dream sequences that that go through many of the it it became this building upon this effect so for me it it actually it made the collection more than the sum of its parts which a good collection really should always be because it built upon itself and by the time you got to that very last story other houses that story was drawing on so many of the things and had so many touch points back to other stories not that there's recurring characters or anything um or or narratives that that connect to each other not not that i've seen on a first reading um i may have missed something it wouldn't surprise me if there were little bits but i don't think there are but but it was like building on what this collection had constructed so if I'd, I think if I'd read um, Other Houses, which is the last, it's almost a novella, it's really, it's quite long actually, um, the last story. There's a couple of quite long stories, including the, the titular one. I think if I'd read that alone, I would have thought, yeah, this is a really good story. Reading it as a culmination of this collection where Bernie is 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 dealing with the same concerns and pulling you into this this world of, of characters who who are caught up in memory and questioning their memory and questioning reality and their experiences. And um, all of this stuff has, has made other houses this masterwork because it is the culmination of this other work. So for me, it actually made it better reading them all one after the other over three or four days. Whereas I wish I'd read other houses with a break. Mm. I liked it. I really liked it. And, and I think, Bernie does so well in creating the sinister out of the very basic, the very the very mundane, as you said. And I happen to love stories about rooms and cupboards that go nowhere or yeah. have staircases to nowhere. That sort so of. So this this one has uh, it's it's so strange. But by the end of the collection, I was over being surprised by <laughs> by strange things because it has a staircase under like a cupboard. Yeah, under a kitchen sink, or or like a like a a lower cupboard in a kitchen, like a staircase that goes down. Yeah, it's and- so weird architecturally, it like it can't exist. But as I said, I, he set he set this up for what he does. Yeah, and um, that 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 story actually, because you said Ramsey Campbell, that was the other author, Lagotti and Campbell, the two authors. That mm. that to me feels straight out of their playbook. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's that that, that that you know that sinister architecture. That there's something not right. That the you know the question of uh, the existential crisis of the character: Do I exist or am I some weird offshoot? Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil the story, but yes. And yeah, look again. I knew in talking about the collection, I would like it more than I did when I read it, because individually, I can see that these stories are beautifully crafted and written. Mm. And uh, have been yeah have been carefully put together. It's just it's just as a t- it's just the tone. I, I just yeah at that point I was sort of okay that's uh, yep all right okay I, I think yes I get it and look I, I suppose uh, it's it's a failing on my part really here because you're right this is a, a collection that ultimately is moving to a crescendo and mm. it's very deliberate again going back to what Jonathan said how you structure collections so yes. This is the longest story, and yes, it's been put at the end because it is the capstone to what has come before. And I, I don't know, Kirsten. I don't. I don't know how to say it. I feel like because I, I don't want people to think that I because I, I really did enjoy these stories, but I just yeah. didn't enjoy them together. Uh, that's isn't that so interesting? Because I I think I enjoyed them more because I read them together as as I read it as a collection. 
and it's it's interesting because it could have with a writer who was less you know less on top of their craft and perhaps being more obvious about things in their work and less uh, less subtle less willing to leave so much to the reader to do a lot of the heavy lifting in a good way i think the the repetitions and the recurring themes and and elements and motifs would have would have been very grating it was like oh he's doing this again oh look another story about weirdness with photography or photos oh look another questioning of what's real or not but he is so good at what he does he is so good yep at treading that line where it where it doesn't feel for me at least it didn't feel like repetition it felt like building upon something and to be clear i'm not talking about repetition i'm mm. talking about but but even in tone even in tone it felt like uh, yeah, okay 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 but look so let's i'll move past that point because i think i've made it out twice and and i don't want to belabor it but uh like the second story out of the blue is a is another one that i i really really loved i thought just because it's about a father dead father who turns up one day mm. and there's no explanation as to why. I mean, obviously they've risen from the dead, but it's not. That's not the point of the story. It's uh, again, it's very much about uh, lingering memories, legacies, and that. I, I, it has a one thing that is lacking from some of these stories is a, a sense of humour. I think they're a little bit um, earnest at times. Yeah. But this one actually, I did find funny because <laughs> because the dad is stuffed in the attic. And uh, it's actually really disturbing because he's put under a bulb and it's a whole thing because he will listen to commands, as in you yeah. say, get up and walk, you, you will. But he just, but otherwise, he's a statue. And it's it's both weird and but funny weird for me because it's just the mm. way it's written. And and again, yeah. So and then later on, there's a story. I think it's called Sisters about the the sister who brings her sister back to life. So it's a, a Frankenstein story of sorts. But again, done completely differently to anything I've ever seen. And the way it ends is as if he's um, front-ended the story with the weirdness and then slowly made it more normal as the story goes on to the point where it's just in a normal, an almost naturalistic story. Uh, I've never seen that done before. That to me – so, so, so the, to make it clear, there are some remarkable pieces of writing here mm. to see that where clearly this, this is a weird, strange story about a, 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 sister, a sister's dead uh, the other sister takes parts, bits and pieces from uh, her sister's room to create her again. And rather than it all going even darker, weirder and stranger, it actually takes the complete opposite turn and becomes this quite normal, naturalistic story. Mm. And, and it's and I found that amazing, frankly. Yeah. I, I, he has a really deft way of, as I was sort of hinting towards before, of making making the, the ordinary eerie and uncanny and making the uncanny just part of every day what I really liked about that out of the blue story well it's interesting because I thought to myself like one of the things I really like about it is it's just it's just this guy whose dad comes back from from the dead there's no explanations why it's not happening all around the world it's just this one thing and I thought that's really that that's quite cool and then I thought well hang on how do we know it's not happening because they don't tell anyone they keep it amongst themselves. They hide him in the attic and then in the basement. They don't let anybody know. What, how do we know that other people's dead relatives aren't turning up and they're also just hiding them away <laughs> and no one knows this is happening and everyone doesn't want to say anything and they're just hiding it? 
which then made me think about family secrets and how you hide what's what what people may have done in the past in your family and it and this is one of the things I love about his work is that the stories are all so open. He leaves so much white space there for the reader to think about things. You can neither discount or, or rely on so many interpretations. Um, you know, out of the blue could just be this one father who, who came back from the dead for reasons unknown um, and whose son is, is keeping him hidden because they don't want to tell people and make a fuss. Or this could be happening everywhere and no one wants to reach out because one of the other concerns of this collection or one of the preoccupations, I guess, is this isolation a lot of the characters feel. And it's not necessarily because they are you know, physically alone and they don't have family or they're not partnered or they don't have friends. A lot of them do, but they still feel so incredibly isolated and lonely and that they can't connect with the people in their lives. And it, it's it's just marvellously done. I, I think Bernie's, you know, deliberately or not, whether whether this is something he's deliberately set out to craft or whether this is, as you say, just the way he, uh, you know, the lens through which he sees the world and the way he approaches his fiction and, and the ideas that come to him. He, he's still doing a remarkable job of presenting this really cohesive world in, in terms of the, you know, the psychology of it, the, the bleeding of reality into dream and vice versa, you know, the the preoccupation with what is real and what memory does. And there's some great lines in that last story, Other Houses, about, about memory and you know, false memories having as much impact as, as true memories. And, and what are true memories and how can we even tell? And which is all in my wheelhouse. I mean, this, this is stuff which is always going to speak to me and press my button. So uh, I, I think it's a, a really remarkable collection. There, there is some weaknesses to it. See, the, do- the, doll, the doll one didn't do much for me. Doll face with the... Yeah, doll face. I mean, it's creepy, but it's creepy in a way that I've read before. Yeah, that... and, and that, that is, I think that is where the, the weaknesses, for, for me, that was the primary weakness. Some of the stories feel like they didn't, they didn't push all the way into what he's doing with stories that I feel are more recent work. But he's a new, you know, a new-ish writer. He, he's not been writing for for decades. He, um, he's and this is a debut collection. I think for a debut collection, it is remarkable, and I'm absolutely looking forward to to what he does in the future. I I'd be really interested to see a novel. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think, <laughs> I think he might be like Ramsey Campbell for me. <laughs> I don't know. Prove me wrong, Sean Burney. Prove me wrong. Write an amazing novel. But as I, as I said earlier, um, I, Ramsey Campbell's short fiction for me is some of the absolute best. For, for me, his novels always fall down. They can't, they can't cohese. I think at length, the stuff that he's best at doesn't work at novel length. I, I may be wrong. I, I think these these shorter fictions work incredibly well. I don't know what you do to sustain this sort of thing over eighty to one hundred thousand words, and and what what you would have to do to make it a novel, and what you would lose in terms of what Bernie is so very very good at. The, the, he's actually got a, a story fair, fairly recently in the dark called Funny Faces. Did you read which it? Came out after this collection, which is so good. I'll oh, so you, you read it? Yeah, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it's it's really good. It's 
again, play playing on his strengths that we've seen in this collection, but a little bit different. And one of the other things I wanted to say was that unlike Ramsey Campbell and and in my limited reading of Thomas Ligotti and a lot of other horror fiction written by by men, there is such a heavy focus on female characters and the the experience of girls and women in this collection, which is really good to see. It's not the default weird things happen to a guy. There, there are obviously male protagonists and so on, but there's a lot of female protagonists and they're so beautifully wrought, as, as all his characters are. Everyone is just a bit kind of weird. Yeah, and, and he covers... Um... I mean, this will be my final point. He covers uh, the full stratum, uh, but there's a lot of stories about families as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I found, you know, again, interesting. Horror enjoys a small family uh, unit uh, because, you know, you can have people go insane and kill other people. In the, not that he does this, uh, but but he does play into that whole sense of paranoia and uh, of, of, of one partner not agreeing entirely with what the other partner thinks and that that, that tension that comes from that. So, mm. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's in that sense from a perspective point of view, and you're right, there's a lot of uh, female perspective, female viewpoint. It, it's really good. It, that is 100% right. It's, that's how we're, where he's the contemporary writer, as distinct from Campbell and Ligotti. These stories, for the most part, are not violent or gory mm. or icky. There's a bit of body horror. Uh, there are bits where people have wounds and things. There's running. a lot of body horror in this. Yeah, but it, it never feels grotesque. It, it feels uneasy, but uh, not like I'm reading a book. Okay, so I'm reading a oh, Tessa Come on, Mush- the woman with her hangnail. That's just. Yeah, that's just, okay. Oh, boy, that got me. But I'm reading Otessa Mushfeg at the moment, mm. and she's um, she loves bodily fluids. They, they come out of everyone's everyone everywhere so it's this is this is a slightly quieter version of horror where it's not focused on the blood and the guts so so anyway look to sum up um i think we we both recommend this this collection i maybe liked it a little bit more than ian did or maybe connected with it a little bit more yes than ian did uh i definitely think that sean porrick bernie is a is a writer to look out for he's on my list of um you know, I say this, I say that all oh, these writers on my list and yet somehow I seem to not come back to them. I must get better at reading. I'm, I'm still working my way through a years old couple of to be read shelves. Once I'm done with that, I'm really looking forward to buying new books that I'll read straight away. There's, um, there's, there's a sad, there is a problem, not to do with Bernie, but to do with reading in general. Mm. That unless you're, if you're on Goodreads or something like that, it does remind you of authors who've got a new book out. Yeah. Other, otherwise, sometimes, but it's very inconsistent. Otherwise, you sort of, how do you know? I'm, and, we, and this is my problem. It's like it, it's stuff that comes up, but everything seems quite random. I know it's not random. I know the, the algorithms are out there targeting things that they think I will like. But, yeah, I, I do, when I say it's on my list, I have actually started to keep an actual list um, in, a, in a note app on my phone of authors who've, you know, and mostly in, in short fiction, but some of the authors that we've we've done on this podcast it's like no this author has impressed me so much I want to I want to know and so periodically I'll go and do a search and like has this but that's the thing yeah. I find it astonishing in this day and age mm. when we've put a man on the moon Kirsten <laughs> uh, 
That's so 20th <laughs> century, Ian. Find a new analogy. Okay. Uh, where Elon Musk now owns 9% of Twitter, uh, in this day and age, um, that there isn't uh, an automated system where you can put in a bunch of authors who you're interested in and it will tell you, hey, maybe there is. If someone knows of one, can they tell me? Because I'd love to do it rather than have to keep an eye out. I'm sure Anywho, there is. I'm sure there is. Again, Goodreads sort of Goodreads sort of does it, but doesn't do it particularly well. There's always an old-fashioned way of maybe um, subscribing to someone's <laughs> feed or newsletter if they have one on their website and getting nah. the news that they're nah. gonna. You know, nah. that's what I do. Nah. I still have I still have Feedly. I still have. I have Feedly. Lots and lots of feeds, and some of them are linked to author websites, and the authors don't post often. But when they have a new book out, they'll go, "Hey, I've got a new book out." It's like awesome. I have Feedly. I've even got some links to LiveJournal. Do you remember LiveJournal? Oh, I do remember LiveJournal. I don't think anyone left on my Feedly has LiveJournal. My LiveJournal is probably still out there. Yes, so is mine. I don't think I ever, like, decommissioned it and dragged the content in. I know mine's still out there because every so often I will get a comment from a Russian bot. So (laughs) uh, it's uh, it's great. Is that a good segue, Russian bots straight into the – Russian bots straight into the – I don't think it is a good segue, but we'll we'll move on anyway. Um, So I guess on to other authors that may get onto my list. The next collection we're talking about is called Shit Cassandra Saw, which is a truncated version of a title of a short story that's in the collection by Gwen E. Kirby, uh, which which was a, a real change of pace, I will say, from the Sean Burney collection. Real change of pace. Which I read this one second. Yeah, so I read this one first mm-hmm. because I chose it. Um, and it uh, it's very different. You You just, yes. Chalk and cheese. Chalk um, and cheese. Do you want to read so, the yeah, well, and, copy? Okay. Can I just say the first sentence of this um, blurb is ridiculous. Okay. So, well, the first three, the first four words are anyway, Margaret Atwood meets Buffy. That is literally the first four words. Really? Yes. Uh, um. So, so, yeah, so, I can't did, even see where that's come from. Uh, neither can I. So, so is that, yeah, did you sit there and think, you know what this is, Kirsten? Oh, my God, this is Margaret Atwood if, if she wrote an episode of Buffy. That's what this is. I mean, I, I, I guess in terms of some of the the dialogue in, in Buffy, I, I'm, I, I could stretch to yeah, see oh maybe God, no. where they're coming from, but that's on the – Wow, the publisher put that. Okay, interesting. We can dispense with that. How about we continue? Yes, well, I have to finish the sentence. So Margaret Atwood meets Buffy in these funny, warm and furious stories of women at their breaking points from Hellenic times to today. Cassandra may have seen the future, but it doesn't mean she's resigned to telling the Trojans everything she knows. In this ebullient collection, I love the word, I do actually love the word ebullient, virgins escape from being sacrificed, witches refuse to be burned, Whores aren't ashamed, and every woman gets a chance to be a radioactive cockroach who snaps back at catcallers. Gwen E. Kirby's experiments with found structures, a Yelp review, a WikiHow article, with her fierce, uh, which her fierce, irreverent narrators push against, showing how creativity within an enclosed space undermines and deconstructs the constraints themselves. I'm not sure what that sentence means. <laughs> when these women tell the stories of their triumphs as well as their pain, they emerge as, they emerge as funny, angry, loud, horny, lonely, strong protagonists who refuse be secondary characters a moment longer. From the best and only whore of Sim Hereford, eighteen eighty six to the Midwestern girl who is tired of appearing in your short stories, 
Kirby is playing and laughing with the women who have come before her and they are telling her, we have always been this way. You just have to know where to look. And I know I completely stuffed up uh, the Welsh um, <laughs> pronunciation there, so I apologise. Um, but Well, that's uh, a blurb. <laughs> I, that's a mouthful. And I know I, I know I sounded like I was just go oh, da 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 da, but it, that was really difficult to read. Um, I will I will say possibly about the Margaret Atwood Buffy thing. I mean, if they were if they were just waving flags, as as a reader who does like Margaret Atwood and Buffy, I like this collection. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's just a way to say, hey, if you like these two things, you will like this thing. In which case, correct. <laughs> So, so I actually do wish they put. I actually do wish they put the full title on the book. Right? I know why they did just shit Cassandra Saw. You can't fit that on a spine. No, but it's a cracker though. I Would mean, you like to read the full title of that yes. short story? Shit Cassandra Saw that she didn't tell the Trojans because at that point, fuck them anyway. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anywho, there's, <laughs> like there's a I couple said, of titles like that in the, in the collection. Can't fit it on a spine. Can't fit it on a spine. Bad title for a book cover. Yeah. <laughs> one thing uh, Kirby does amazing is uh, is, is, is headings, is, is titles of her stories. Um, but what's this I found... This book is funny. This book is really funny. It is. It is. But what's interesting, did you notice... Kirsten, is the more um, playful stories or I wouldn't say whimsical because they're not whimsical, but playful, uh, speculative, fantastical stories are the real short ones and the more naturalistic stories that are more coming of age, which that blurb doesn't really speak to because there's, there's quite a couple of coming of age stories in here are, mm. are much longer and actually are the meat of the collection. Yeah. So this is where I have a problem with that, that blurb is that it sort of sells the book as being a lot of very funny um, stories about cockroaches, uh, radioactive cockroaches, and a husband writing a very funny Yelp review about <laughs> about he and his wife's experience in it's a restaurant. Such a, it's such a sad story, that one. I know, though. because, it's a, well, it's a marriage falling apart. But, it's um, so sad. Like, it's, just before we go on, it's, it's that particular story, in case we forget to say it later, is one of my favourites because it is it is so clever that... It is, it's really easy for some of these things to go gimmicky. Yes. You know? And yes. it's like, oh, let's just write a short story in the form of a Yelp review. And in, in a writer who doesn't know what they're doing, like Kirby clearly does, they can just feel really trite and pat and, oh, that's clever, clever, ha, ha, ha. But she manages with that story to take this very, and it is funny, starts off extremely funny, and to take this very humorous, wry, satirical sort of framework to tell this really sad and emotionally rich story. It's it's so good. The tension between the form and the content, it's just so well handled. Incredibly impressed with that one. Yes, I agree. But the the meat of the collection for me were the more naturalistic pieces mm. that are about, some of which are coming of age, the anxieties of being a, a teenager, that sort of thing. And some of which, which in fact, it's probably my favourite story in the collection. Can I guess what might be your favourite story? Okay, go ahead. It might. It's either going to be, and again, titles elude me as as regular listeners will know. Titles slip in and out of my head like they're on you know greasy feet. It's either going to be about the girl who does the student exchange to Mexico, or it's going to be about the lost baggage, unclaimed baggage store. 
so no. Uh, you're, well, actually, you were close because the Mexican, the girl who goes to Mexico, is was right up there. Yeah, that yeah. is that is a terrific piece of writing. It really is. Based. It is uh, one of my favourites. But but my 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 favourite story, and I look, I, I didn't expect it to be my favourite story because I do like the quirky ones. I really really do. As short as that, most of them are. But the one that, that really hit me hard was that Marcy breaks up with herself, which is about. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to say this really poorly, and I don't want to. But it's a woman who's trying to come to terms with the shape of her body to a degree, mm. with with the expectations of society about her, with what she's. You know, so she's sort of hooked on reality uh, TV. And she, you know, she's constantly trying to improve herself, but doesn't meet the standards of her mother. Um, at the same time, um, the yeah, it, it, it's it's just this. I don't know. I I just found it so moving, really, really moving, and also funny. It has this. Actually, I really want to read it out because it has this bit that I think sums the story up. But just, yeah, just shows it. how good uh, a writer Kirby is. Um, there is something about ugliness that demands more ugliness. Why be a girl with an average face when I can be a wolfman, a creature from the Black Lagoon? I eat a chip. I force myself to look to see the heavy weight of my tits, the way they don't sag exactly, not yet, but they will, and my waist, which is okay at that certain angle when I suck in a bit and arch my back and I'm doing that arching and squirming. I let out a deep sigh, relax muscles that do not want to relax. My stomach rounds, my thighs are dimpled. I eat another chip and I don't even feel bad because I know I'm going to eat the whole bag. It was decided the moment I opened it. I look at my strange pussy with ruffled labia like a bed duster. I look at my elegant neck and strong arms and callous feet and wide nipples. My mother's nose and my mother's, my father's chin and my brown, green, muddled eyes that refuse to blink because if I look away for a moment, I'll look away for another month or a year or a lifetime. Instead, I eat another chip, swipe the grease off my fingers and onto the carpet next to me. The carpet is wet next to me. I just find that, I just, I don't know, Kirsten, you tell me. I, I, that's extraordinary. Yeah, I, I think we say, like, when, when Marcy's watching reality TV, she's, she's act, the, the show she's actually hooked on is um, one which, to be honest, I don't know if it's a real show, I didn't look it up, but it, it's of many a kind. It's like a decluttering show. Yeah. Right? So, so getting rid of all the stuff in your life that you don't like, and, and that's the... Yeah, sort so of like the a, story it's like, hangs on that theme. It's a Marie Kondo type thing, but far more toxic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there. there are, I think the idea is that you have to have less than twenty items. <laughs> yeah, listen, that yeah, it's called like it's twenty and below, twenty below, twenty below, twenty below. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you get rid of everything in your life, but but the, I mean that that sounds harsh, which I think Marcy herself says it sounds harsh, but they're not including that. That's twenty non-essential items. Right, so it it doesn't include your fridge or you know a set of cutlery or like, those you can have. It's twenty non-essential items, which is is a little discussion she kind of has with herself at one point. It's like, what is essential? What is non-essential? What is one item? Is a set of cutlery one item? Is it twenty items? As someone who has way more than twenty non-essential items, <laughs> you know, unless you count books as essential. And art is essential, which I kind of do. I don't know. Like, that's it. Where do you draw the line? Yeah, but I get this, the feeling this, that show wouldn't. That whole theme is about her, yeah, getting rid of the things in her life she doesn't want or need, which kind of includes herself. Yes, correct. But And, and that's yeah. the thing. It's And it's not that um, 
she she feels this is the only way to improve herself mm. and to meet the expectations of society. But in that particular bit that I just read out, there's this yeah, there's the same thing going on of her saying, well, if I do, if I, if if you see me from this angle, I'm acceptable to the outside mm. world. Um, but I have to, t- you know, take a deep breath and t- do this, do the other. And at the same time, she's eating the chips, knowing that 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 is not conducive to whatever that expectation is outside the, the doors of her house. Mm. And it's 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 just such a it's both an honest bit of writing, and it's confronting, and it's beautiful, and it's so well written. And I found it really moving. And and yeah, this is the thing about this collection that. That it, it couples together that sort of that sort of lived experience of mostly being a woman, uh, with these other stories that are also about the lived experience of being a woman, but also involve radioactive cockroaches and women Some getting su- well, yeah, obtaining superpowers that they use against all those extremely horrible men out there that try and molest them on trains and trams and other such uh, conveyance. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it, it does both, the collection, and, the, and, and, and if I had to compare it to the Bernie, which is not fair, but I will, um, <laughs> it's so – it has the same thread running through it, but the stories are totally different. They go up and down. They have that that sort of that move between I didn't know what to expect. I genuinely did not know what the next story would be. I knew what the general gist would be in the terms that this would be about what it is to be potentially a, a woman. Not potentially. A woman <laughs> makes sense. What it means to be a woman in contemporary life. But mm. how it's how it's expressed and how it's articulated. And that's sort of an interesting way of doing it. And that's look, I'll be honest, that's the, the sort of writing I love. That's my wheelhouse. So for you, the Bernie sort of that thing is your wheelhouse, and I enjoy that. But this, this is where I live. This is where I. Oh no, I I loved this collection. I I like the inventiveness of a lot of it, but I I agree with you. Um, and as much as the um the Yelp review Crab Shack story is like just so well done and really lovely, the the inventiveness of it is one thing, and that's that's something I appreciate. But it, it was the I guess the longer stories, the the, the ones like yeah the Marcy story, um the one about and, and the, the lost baggage one. You're right, that the is a great baggage story, one, um which is called Casper because it was about the stuffed albino wallaby that yes. we found. Um, it's those stories. Can I say I thought of you? Did you? When oh, I read because Casper? of the taxi derby. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, but no, it's those longer stories which still have this like off kilter kind of tone to them in a lot of ways. Like the the unclaimed baggage store, because the the conceit is that there's <laughs> there's these stores that get unclaimed baggage from airlines and hotels and things and there's uh, the one that the three girls work in who are the um, characters in this story is the lesser of the two stores and the other store gets all the good baggage and so I guess they're like like a big op shop sort of thing but except it's not a charity shop it's like this is a business we get unclaimed baggage we sort through it we put the stuff up sellable and I mean just that idea that idea (laughs) is is fantastic uh, but the story is about these three teenage girls and their friendship slash relationship they have with each other it's also a coming of age piece yeah it's an end yeah, of innocence yeah. type of story it's the it's the crux between teenagedom and mm. adulthood it's that it plays that beautifully um, yeah and and they were 
some of my favorite stories, the ones that were yeah. longer that, that you could kind of sink your teeth into that weren't just, I guess, weren't just clever. Like the Cassandra one, short, clever, snappy, ha, great. If it had just been a collection of those, I think I would have found it wearing <laughs> um, because I have read or, or started to read collections like that, which are just the, those types of things. And after a while it's like, yep, I can see what you're doing. Yep, you're doing it again. Yep. But this was peppered with, like they were kind of like a bit of spicy seasoning, but yes. like you, I think the real meat of this collection were those longer, more introspective, um, very, very, very human and humane stories. This is not a book that even when its characters are could perhaps be objects of of fun, the the book doesn't treat them like that. The stories don't treat doesn't treat its characters like that. It doesn't mock them. It doesn't poke fun at them. It doesn't hold them up and go, "Ha ha, look at this this sad person." It's it's a really compassionate collection for for as much as the the, the back cover copy, as you say, it talks about. Oh, it's it's you know it's zany and fun, delightful, and it is all those things. But it is it is such a compassionate book, which is kind of. Not exactly what I would have expected, I guess, from from the way it was described. It also does that hard thing of clearly attacking tropes in fiction itself. I, I mean, the, the obvious example is Midwestern Girl is Tired of Appearing in Your Short Stories. I mean, yeah. it says it on its tin. Yeah. But there are other stories that do something similar. Even my, my favourite cockroach, Radioactive Cockroach Story, is doing that same thing, playing with a trope, hmm. but doing it in a way that – I don't know how she does it, actually – Saying, I'm too, I'm I'm doing this now. You can see I'm doing this. I'm playing with this trope. I'm actually subverting it and showing what yeah. a cliche it is. And I'm and, and I'm saying it loud and clear. And I'm, but I'm going to do it. In, but but even so, you're going to love this story. Yeah. I was going to say because it's not the only thing she does. What well, in the story the, itself? Yeah, that is not yeah. the only thing she does. If that was the only thing she does, we're like, haha, very clever. Let's move on. <laughs> but, but she she does it. She goes, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a trope. I'm going to subvert something. I'm going to make a, a a commentary on something. And that's that's what I'm doing. But I'm going to use that to tell this other deeper, more meaningful story. Yeah, and you said that about the Yelp review. That's exactly yeah. right. I'm gonna, I'm going to make fun of that art form, so called the 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 reviewer art form, yeah. And, and and yeah, tell that really deep story. But, not, but yeah, and that's really the collection. That's yeah. In the in the naturalistic pieces, it's it's. You say they're off kilter. I mean, they they are. They're slightly, but they're not. Not they. They they are mostly. The only one that kind of isn't, I guess, is the the exchange student going to Mexico. That that yeah. read a very like the the only off the off kilter part about that, or the disorientation about that, was the disorientation that the protagonist felt um, going to live with this family in Mexico when she didn't didn't know how to speak Spanish as a native speaker in Mexico would speak it so she had a lot of trouble when she first got there trying to understand what people were saying and and so there was a lot of you know disorientation and a bit of culture shock for the protagonist and that's that's what provided that sort of instability for the reader in that story um but but the story itself from what I remember straight down the line nothing nothing weird or it was just a straight down the line story and it was just so beautifully told yeah that's right I, I mean this is a collection that, again, again, really in my wheelhouse where it, it, it just it made me happy and it made me sad and it made me smile and it made me think and, I don't know, that's the most <laughs> anodyne way of describing a book. 
Yeah, no, it, it was really, really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It feels like one I will go back to and, and dip into and read some of those ones I really liked again. But as I said, that's what she's doing. She's she's working on she's working on two levels. So she's she's working on the really like the easy level where a, a lot of writers can do and go, I'm gonna use a, a Yelp review and you know, kind of like McSweeney's does, right? Yeah. Um we're gonna take a known form and we're gonna satirize it. And they're fun to read. And you know, some of McSweeney's stuff is 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 really cool and really, really smart. Um, but a lot of it's like, oh yeah, that was clever. But that's not all Kirby's doing. She's that's her first layer. And then she's going to create this really rich, complex, compassionate story beneath that layer. And that's actually the point of what she's doing. The rest of it is window dressing that she does really well. She's a really good window dresser. <laughs> but but that is the window dressing for these wonderful stories. That's, you see, you should have written the blurb, not <laughs> Margaret Atwood meets Buffy, but Kirby, one of the great window dressers of contemporary <laughs> fiction. It sounds awful when you say it like that, but you know what I mean. Yes. Like the, the fun, clever stuff is really like you come for that, but you stay for the actual stories because the rest of it's sugar. You're not going to just eat sugar through a whole collection. You you want some meat or sorry to our vegetarian and vegan listeners you want you want some protein and carbs you don't just want your your light fluffy sugar so i say we'd we do recommend uh both these collections yeah uh, and both these writers obviously my reservations with the bernie need to be taken into the context of the fact that uh yeah I, i just that's my my feeling towards that sort of storytelling and that i need to space that sort of stuff apart but that the stories themselves individually are terrific mostly there's some that i didn't like at all but Mostly, I, really, I think really that happens like in, in almost any collection. There's, you know, one of the things I love, I love and love and love and love about short story collections, and I will never stop buying and reading short story collections. Is unlike a novel, if you get a novel and you don't like it, that's it, you're done. You didn't like it, it's gone. I have seldom, not always, there's been a few, but I've seldom read a collection of short stories where I didn't find at least I do even think in, though Kirsten that, that if you read so strong I didn't find at least one or two stories yeah but I do think if you if you read that opening piece in a collection and it's not particularly good and given we all know how collections are structured you do start to think hum <laughs> this is uh this this is possibly not going to be a winner if that first story lies flat you know so the the first yeah the first story in a collection if if you're not if you're not buying it because you know the writer you know you're going to read it anyway if if you're if you pick it up and read a first story and it doesn't grab you that first story has a lot of heavy lifting to do yes, correct correct in a collection but at the same time you know it 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 is a whole story so if it's good it's like yeah this writer can begin they can end they can tell a story their writing is good I'm in. You read the first chapter of a novel, it might be amazing. Get to the end of it, it's like, holy crap, this is shit. You make out, so- right? you ma- you're making out you have such a low bar when I know that you have the highest bar in the universe. So just even. I have a be- really high bar. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So this whole, oh, it has a beginning, it has a middle, as an end. It, it ticks the boxes of storytelling. No, 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 no. What, I, what I'm saying is they can do it well. So you can see how they can write a good beginning you can see how they can stick the landing you can see what their prose is like you can Fair see enough. how they can structure something and if they d- are doing it really well I'm probably going to like this collection or at least I'm going to have found it worthwhile to have read whereas you know you start a novel they could be they could be amazing at writing a really intriguing hook and getting you in 
And by the time we get to the end of it, it's like, well, this was a waste of time, which has happened a lot. Fair so, enough. But happens much more rarely with a short story collection for me. Oh. I think our books for next month are not Anyway, that was my rant about why no, no, we should good. all support collections. And it was great, but I was just, but my segue <laughs> was going to be that our books for next month are not collections. They're back to novels. So, so, so what, did, what, did, what have we chosen? So next month, um, again, two books that neither of us have read yet at this point, I don't think. Um, so Ian has chosen The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. And I would like to read Devotion by Hannah Kent. You I've, would I've like read to... one of Hannah Kent's novels. I would like to read it, which is why yeah. I've chosen it, because it has been my MO since we restarted the podcast. Wealth books does Kirsten want to read. Make them a podcast book. That means she has to read them, as opposed to just buying them and putting on a to-be-read shelf for five fucking years. Um, so I have read uh, a Hannah Kent novel before, um, The Good People. I haven't read Burial Rights yet, which was her runaway blockbuster debut, um, but it is on my list. Uh, but I really like The Good People. I had some... Interesting issues with it too, but I, I overall really, really liked it. So I'd like to read Devotion, which is her new one, and just see what that's like. Why didn't you pick the the runaway hit, Burial Rights? I don't know. Okay. This one has been all over my feeds, and I went, yes, let me read Devotion. Fair enough. Well, this is the reason why I, I, I chose the Jessamine Chan, because uh, when it came out, which is very recently, I think a couple of months ago, it was everywhere. Everyone was discussing how terrific it was. And because I go with the flow and don't have a single <laughs> original thought in my head, I thought, well, it's uh, probably going to be something we should read just so we're part of the zeitgeist. So yeah. um, doesn't mean we're going to like it. No, it doesn't. And, in fact, <laughs> this book, is, the, the book I've chosen, is probably more the Margaret Atwood, not Me Meets Buffy. Buffy. Well, it's... <laughs> But it's, I think it'll be closer to that description, probably without the Meets Buffy bit. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Well, I am intrigued by the title. So um, I am looking forward to reading them both. Hopefully we like them or at least have interesting things to say about them. <laughs> Hopefully we don't loathe them. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes they're the best podcasts, aren't they, Ian? Yes, true. <laughs> All right. It's been wonderful. It has been wonderful. And, oh, my gosh, I think we've kept this down to maybe under an hour. For the first time in a long time. We're we going are to try to we are going to try listeners to keep this. We we did intend to keep these to hour-long podcasts when we restarted and we have let it slip for a bit, but we are going to try to rein ourselves in again. You're welcome. Well, I've discovered is I just repeat the same thing different ways six times and Kirsten cuts four to four versions of it from I do. the podcast. I, I do. So, so they're even longer, you? the the uncut versions. Yeah. So why not just so even longer? not say the other four variants and keep it to the two that I know Kirsten will keep in the first place. So, Fair enough. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, as always, you can comment at the website, which is writerandcritic.podbean.com. You can send an email to writerandcritic at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at writerandcritic. And you can sponsor us on Patreon if you can. Thank you to all our wonderful patrons. We do appreciate you. Um, there's not a lot of overheads for this podcast, but there are some, and it helps keep the lights on. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy those books if you haven't read them. We haven't spoiled them very much at all. No. Because often the nature of short stories, we don't we don't. I mean, there's, a, there's, tw- there's 21 stories in the Kirby, and we've probably spoken about five, yeah. six. Um, so. so, you know, it's uh, you'll enjoy them both. I'm sure everybody will enjoy at least some parts of the collections because that's what short story collections do. Support them, buy more of them, demand more of them, get published. (laughs) We love collections. Um, But 
we will talk to you next month in May. Bye. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Indeed. Bye. Bye. I just, I can't, I can't do this year anymore.